Welcome, this is Michael Volkoff. This is episode 145 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Today's episode is about the Department of Justice's revised corporate compliance guidance. Hello, everyone. It's uh, another tough week here in, uh, in the United States um, with the, uh, the terrible tragedy uh, relating to George Floyd and other victims uh, all around the country with regard to uh, the police brutality uh, issues. Um, also hope you're staying safe and healthy with regard to the pandemic. Uh, and uh, obviously, as we see the economy starting to open up a little bit more, please be careful. Um, we're starting to see spikes in uh, rates of infection in, in various countries. So please stay careful, uh, stay, stay uh, cautious and most importantly, stay healthy, and all the best to your loved ones, uh, your families, and your friends. So, uh, before we get started today, uh, here's a word from our sponsor, Steel Compliance Solutions. Steel Compliance is the global leader in compliance and ethics management. Steel's compliance and ethics platform is comprehensive, robust, and easy to use to promote a company's culture of compliance. Steel partners with the world's largest, most respected companies to deliver compliance products and services that help organizations embrace a culture of compliance while protecting their brand. Building an ethical culture is a complex undertaking that requires a detailed understanding of the global compliance environment, considerable time, and specialized expertise. Steel's end-to-end ethics and compliance platform is designed to provide compliance officers with the solutions they need to proactively address changing regulatory and reputational risks. Steel's Ethics and Compliance Automated Platform offers critical functions designed to promote a speak-up culture to advance employee engagement, reporting, and incident management, investigate promptly and fairly potential incidents to ensure compliance with your organization's code of conduct and applicable laws and regulations, including anti-corruption, anti-money laundering, antitrust, sanctions, cybersecurity, and data privacy. Manage your organization's compliance policies and procedures to ensure that policies are updated and disseminated effectively so that employees understand your organization's compliance requirements. Educate and engage your organization to promote understanding in how your compliance program applies to -to day-to-day operations. And evaluate and monitor your organization's business partners, vendors, suppliers, and customers to mitigate risk and ensure adherence to your organization's ethics and compliance requirements. To learn more about Steel's Compliance Solutions, please contact us at email steelglobal.com or call 415-692-5000. Well, the Department of Justice uh, this past week quietly released, uh, and when I say quiet, I mean quietly, uh, quietly released its uh, revisions to the corporate compliance um, guidance that they've put out. Uh, This is a a document that's evolved from 2017, 
2019, last year it was issued, to 2020. Um, before we get into the substance of it, um, I and, and I don't want to overblow the importance of this because it's an important, whenever the Justice Department speaks, uh, just like the old uh, E.F. Hutton commercial, um, you know, whenever they speak, people should listen. And there's no question about that because they've been the leader in pushing uh, compliance and, pu and really in the development of the compliance industry uh, by pushing businesses uh, to do this as part of its enforcement actions. Uh, the sentencing guidelines, of course, have been important, but really what's, what's drawing this um, is uh, the Justice Department. And before I go through all the sort of the revisions here and what they mean and all of that, I want, I want to sort of give uh, a little bit more of an, a step back, an overview before we get into that. Number one, um, I've argued lately that the compliance industry and uh, sort of what the compliance industry itself is developing is uh, moving beyond DOJ guidance. And um, today's and this week's actions really confirm it because in a lot of ways, the ideas that they added are ideas that we've already discussed. But uh, when DOJ supports these ideas, it obviously makes it more important in that respect. But what the real trend that I've seen is as more professionals enter the compliance industry and as spending by companies increase on compliance resources, staffs and, staff and products, we're really witnessing a rapid acceleration of compliance ideas and compliance capabilities. You know, compliance officers are my heroes. They're creative. They're dedicated professionals. They inspire innovation in a new and fast-growing industry. Um, and with this demand, compliance vendors who are bringing products and automation technology solutions are bringing new and exciting types of products to meet this demand, although I think they need to invest more and develop more because I think there's a huge demand and a huge need for it. But the compliance industry has embraced these developments and recognized perhaps the most critical change in perspective that compliance is no longer a reactive uh, function or a retrospective function, it's a proactive function. And this is perhaps the most significant change in compliance over the last 25 years. And it mirrors, uh, in an by analogy, what occurred in law enforcement after 9-11. Law enforcement was always reactive, but then uh, became more proactive in terms of stopping terrorist attacks um, after 9-11, and we're seeing sort of the same sort of approach and ideology with regard to compliance, because now compliance is focusing on real-time monitoring and intervention strategies that are designed to uncover real risks and mitigate those risks prior to the occurrence of a real breakdown, a real systemic mis uh, series of misconduct. And no proactive system is going to be perfect, but the change in perspective is really uh, significant, uh, significant. And so I, once we consider that and take a look at what DOJ does here, uh, DOJ's guidance really embraces these changes by em emphasizing several points. One, the importance of real-time monitoring activities, continuous evolution and change of compliance programs in response to new risks, uh, incorporating lessons learned from investigations of misconduct, access to data and use of data uh, on a real-time basis for uh, monitoring purposes. So DOJ's perspective on compliance to me 
it's catching up. It's catching up with the proactive approach that many compliance professionals and technology providers are already bringing to the uh, compliance uh, marketplace. So sort of with that background, I now want to sort of turn to more of the nuts and bolts of what happened here. And DOJ's uh, release is really interesting. There are also, you can find comparison drafts uh, from Jonathan Marks, uh, I think is posted on his website, um, a line-by-line comparison or mark changes. So you can see what changed in the last year. Um, but the, the fact is, uh, if anyone ever thought the DOJ was planning to relax compliance expectations, even during this pandemic um, and uh, difficulty economic times, you can forget about that because DOJ has removed all doubt. Uh, in the announcement on Monday, they released the revised guidance and they, re- they say that DOJ said that they, re- they issued it to reflect its own experiences and feedback from the compliance and business community. Uh, according to Assistant Attorney General of the Criminal Division, Brian Benchkowski, quote, although much of the substance of the prior version remains unchanged, the updates we have made are in keeping with our continued efforts as prosecutors to improve our own policies and practices to ensure transparency and the effective and consistent enforcement of our laws. And like I said, DOJ's guidance has been an important source of compliance, uh, you know, sort of leadership. Uh, And it's used uh, by compliance professionals, even though it's built for a situation when a company is in trouble and DOJ has to evaluate the program. It's an important statement from the enforcement uh, agency, the prosecutors uh, who are going to be looking at companies in these types of situations. So uh, let's go through some of the revised provisions and start first with uh, some language that was added with regard to individualized assessment and evaluation timing. In other words, DOJ's guidance elaborates on the importance of an individualized assessment of each program requiring prosecutors to make a, quote, reasonable individualized determination in each case that considers various factors, including but not limited to. The company's size, industry, geographic footprint, regulatory landscape, and other factors, both internal and external to the company's operation, that might impact its compliance program. You know, to me, this is just a fancy way of saying, again, no one solution works for everybody, no one size fits all. Um, They also added language to confirm that evaluation of a company's compliance program is conducted in relation to the time of the offense and at the time of the resolution of the enforcement action, akin to what was adopted by the antitrust division of the Justice Department in connection with this similar type of process. Uh, One of the most important changes, if probably not the most, uh, I think was, and, and you have to read between the lines on this, but it clearly gives you an indication of DOJ's frustration, I think, with the lack of compliance program resources and the empowerment of uh, compliance officers and the compliance function. Um, They revised two of the three framework, uh, they they revised question two of the three framework questions. uh, And let me read the three questions. The first is, is the corporation's compliance program well-designed? 
the number two, and this is where the revisions are included, is the program be a, being applied earnestly and in good faith? And then they change the language in the next uh, sentence. In other words, is the program adequately resourced and empowered to function effectively? And three, does the corporation's compliance program work in practice? The revision to question two, while, you know, it looks like, okay, so what, it's a, a bunch of, you know, switching around words or whatever, is actually a significant change and reflects a continuing concern. DOJ uh, has observed that companies are failing to assign adequate resources, uh, personnel, technology, uh, you know, money, budgets to their compliance programs. In addition, the revised language also responds to DOJ concerns that compliance officers do not have adequate authority to stop a problematic transaction or activity. In other words, there has to be a control that requires uh, compliance to sign off before certain transactions take place. Let's say it's a discount. Let's say it's a uh, onboarding of a new distributor. Let's say it's a um, uh, acquisition. Um, and so uh, in a number of specific enforcement actions, DOJ has noted that compliance officers and in-house counsels or in-house counsels were not able to stop troublesome transactions despite having objections uh, that were often ignored by senior management uh, who were more interested in moving through with a business deal. This is a big, this is a big, big uh, issue, and DOJ has uh, highlighted these concerns, and now they're emphasizing it again within their evaluation context. And I think they're seeing that compliance officers raise objections and everybody sort of just ignores it and goes on. Risk assessment, DOJ's revised guidance uh, adds clarifying language instructing prosecutors to quote, understand why the company has chosen to set up the compliance program the way that it has and why and how the company's compliance program has evolved over time. This new language, the need for businesses uh, really is emphasized to document the reasons for its compliance program design and implementation strategies. In other words, why are we doing it this way? What in our risk assessment justified this? And why are we going to, uh, to do this and you know, uh, implement it in this way? Uh, in a really uh, important sort of underscoring of uh, a, an important theme, DOJ also revised the guidance in several provisions uh, designed to emphasize the importance of continuous change and evolution of the company's compliance program in response to new uh, continuous flow of information, uh, updated risk assessments, uh, third part or uh, internal investigations and lessons learned. So DOJ is seeking to important to reinforce the importance of ongoing monitoring of a compliance program, revision of the program, and real-time consideration of changes to a company's risks. They include a question uh, whether there have been updates to policies and procedures based on lessons learned from misconduct or from other companies in the same industry and periodic reviews that are based upon continuous access to operational data and information across functions. So uh, another interesting question that they added to the policies and procedures area was, have the policies and procedures been published in a searchable format for easy reference? In other words, not only do we have to make sure there's access, now they want to see easy access. Does the company track access 
to various policies and procedures to understand what policies are attracting more attention from relevant employees. How many hits on the intranet? Uh, how many times do people look at a particular policy? These are really important things. Um, so uh, interesting ideas from DOJ. Um, so let's take a look at some other issues like training, third-party risk management, murders, murders, mergers and acquisitions. Um, compliance, like I have said, is a fast-moving profession. Innovation and technology sort of continue to define the industry. Uh, and compliance officers need to uh, embrace change and evolution uh, in their compliance program. Uh, the recent update of its compliance guidance uh, also reflects some interesting focus on some of the issues that I mentioned. For example, with regard to uh, training programs, DOJ recognizes that um, many companies are developing training programs that are largely based on shorter bursts of information and instruction. You know, no longer the one hour, you know, mandatory session that there are sort of more continuous bursts of small, shorter programs. Uh, DOJ's revisions to the guidance acknowledges these developments, and uh, DOJ asks if participants have the ability to ask questions also and raise concerns during these shorter and targeted training programs. More importantly, DOJ's revised guidance includes new questions focusing on whether the company has evaluated if these new shorter training programs are effective and whether these programs have had a direct impact on employee behavior or operations. In other words, are people learning and how effective are these programs in passing information on to individuals? And then what impact is it having on the organization? Are misconduct rates lower? where training occurs? Is there a connection between the training and the uh, conduct of uh, the company's employees? DOJ's guidance also drills down on the issue of employee reporting. Interestingly, assuming that the company has expanded its employee reporting functions to third parties, the guidance asks companies if its employee reporting also extends to third party reporting. So can a employee at a third-party distributor call the hotline and make a uh, report concerning potential uh, misconduct. Um, and the guidance also focuses on whether uh, the company measures if its employees are comfortable with using the reporting system. Are they aware of it and are they uh, uh, comfortable using it and is it being used? Um, and finally, DOJ asks if a company periodically tests the effectiveness of the hotline by, for example, tracking a test report from start to finish. With regard to third-party risk, DOJ's guidance adopts changes that reflect uh, a fundamental change in the focus of DOJ evaluation of a company's third-party risk management program. Uh, the guidance adopts language that suggests that a company's third-party risk management program should not uh, be evaluated in a static way. In other words, does the company engage in risk management of third parties throughout the lifespan of the relationship or primarily during the onboarding process? Um, and it underscores the new and important trend in third-party risk management, which is a continuous and improvement of uh, monitoring of activity and conduct of third parties. 
DOJ's guidance with regard to mergers and acquisitions uh, emphasizes the importance of managing merger and acquisition risks by focusing on post-closing integration risks. And for many years, DOJ has revised its focus on mergers and acquisitions from pre-acquisition due diligence to post-acquisition integration. Uh, and you know, basically giving companies about a year uh, to 18 months after a closing to integrate, train, update policies and procedures, and conduct audits to determine whether or not uh, there have been any violations uh, that actually occurred with regard to this uh, acquired company. Um, and DOJ's guidance has finally incorporated this policy and enforcement perspective. The revisions to the guidance reflects uh, this, you know, focus on post-acquisition uh, integration. And uh, as a final issue, I wanted to address uh, data resources. Uh, DOJ's revised guidance recognizes that companies have access to relevant data and should incorporate data analytics as part of an effective compliance program. And DOJ's revision focuses on whether compliance and control personnel, quote, have sufficient direct or indirect access to relevant sources of data to allow for timely and effective monitoring and or testing of policies, controls, and transactions. Now, talk about a loaded question, but the point here is this is something that's required uh, and required to gain um, you know, information and insights that are needed for a proactive uh, approach to compliance, not a reactive, but a proactive. In other words, getting access to the data and then monitoring uh, in a real-time fashion this data and then uh, developing in, uh, implementation um, sort of or intervention strategies. One last issue, which I think is also really important, and I apologize for adding this on, but uh, DOJ's revised guidance included an important new question with regard to discipline and employee investigations. Uh, quote, does the compliance function monitor its investigations and resulting discipline to ensure consistency? And DOJ's commitment now is to organizational justice, and it's evident. And this is an obvious concern because DOJ knows that the surest way to undermine a company's culture is uneven discipline. By focusing uh, compliance officers on this important issue, DOJ is taking steps uh, to ensure that discipline is implemented and that such diplomat, uh, discipline is consistent across uh, the organization. Anyways, that's sort of uh, an you know, a pretty uh, good outline of what was in the, the uh, revised guidance. Like I said, this underscores a lot of issues that uh, there should be nothing that's really surprising there. It's only that DOJ is making it explicit. But these are issues that we've talked about uh, on several occasions and should not be surprising. Now, what is more important here is that it is part of the new framework for evaluating a program. And by doing that, DOJ is saying, look, these are, what, these are the essential elements that we expect to see in a compliance program, and we're putting everybody on notice as to how we're going to evaluate you and how if uh, you get into a situation with an enforcement action or an investigation, this is what were the issues that we want to hear about from you, uh, so please let us know. Uh, you know, the, we're putting you on notice, and this is the, the way we want you to frame your presentation to us. Anyway, 
So uh, we'll be talking more about this. I'll be writing a lot more about this as well uh, for the implications for the compliance profession. Anyways, uh, thanks again. Thanks for being here, and thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Please rate us. Uh, you know, give us five stars so we can get this message out to other compliance professionals. Stay safe and healthy. It's a difficult time in our country, but uh, you know we're going to make it through. And uh, there are a lot of important issues that have been raised, and uh, everybody's aware of what needs to be done uh, to address uh, a lot of these issues. Thanks again. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. You can learn more about the legal and compliance services we offer at our website, www.volkovlaw.com. You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com. Watch your parking meters. Oh, get born, keep on short pants, romance. Learn to dance, get dressed, get blessed. Tired of these success. Please her, please him. Buy gifts, don't steal, don't lift. Twenty years of schooling and they put you on the day shift. Look out, kids, they keep it all hit. Better jump down a manhole, like yourself a candle. Don't wear sandals, try to forge the scandals. Don't wanna be a bum, you better chew gum. The pump don't work, cause the vandal's took the handle.